Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's Thursday. It's time to dig into our locks. Gentlemen, I'm, I find myself as I'm scrolling up and down the board. Of course, you know, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. I mean, you know who's here. You know why you show up. You are just as familiar and irregular as we are uh, as we look at the weekend slate to find our, our best bets over-unders against the spread. Money line sprinkles. Uh, you know how it goes. We, You know, the, the FCS games make it a little bit of a, a lighter slate in terms of what we're picking. I don't think that you're going to be finding us dropping any offshore uh, locks on this podcast. The what, what do we have to pick the Alabama-Western Carolina line at for the website? 60? Was that what it was for the website? Because it's 57 and a half. Right offshore? Now. Gracious. Yeah. Um, Which, for comparison's sake, Ohio State on the road against Rutgers last week was a 52-point favorite. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but you know, because it is like some of these last full Saturdays, even with uh, a lighter slate to pick from, I still want to fill out my, uh, my 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 eight pack basically. Is probably my six pack or my eight pack. I'm still going through the bottle shop, uh, dropping them all in there. So, how are we feeling as we stare down week thirteen? I am. And this is concerning. I am eerily confident in my picks this week. Mm. Like, I just feel really good about them. Yeah, I, I liked I liked my my picks. Um, as I've dug a little bit in prep for this pod, I've lost a little confidence in a few of them. So we'll see. As is typically the case, I'm sort of cramming uh, right now as we speak. Um, just take Michigan pod. off. You take take Michigan off. I made that adult decision earlier. Michigan should not be trusted as a nine and a half point favorite on the road. Just take yeah, it maybe, off. Maybe uh, maybe just play the other side of it. Maybe fool. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's go into a review of Week Twelve. Uh, our week winner, the the group, the syndicate as a whole on the week was thirteen, twelve, and one. Just mm, just uh, just 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 a nice. 40-degree day. Uh, the winner was Barton at 4-3. and three. His wins, the under 68 in Baylor, Oklahoma. Uh, a lock fight win, Michigan minus 13.5 against Tom Fernelli. Uh, a win on lock agreement with Indiana plus 14.5. And, and then Kentucky minus 10.5. Looked a little dicey early. But uh, you got that W. Cincinnati, way too close against uh, USF. They end up squeezing out a win there. That would be one of the losses. So, so sad to see uh, our lock unity tumble as uh, as as Latifah sings a ballad this week. And Missouri never really had a chance. Uh, plus seven and a half. The offense just wasn't going to get anything going. And then over 61, Bama, Mississippi State. That was Scout's pick before she got her tonsils out. <laughs> uh, Barton, lessons, notes from uh, from last week. Uh, no big lessons. The frustrating part was there's a couple of just you know uh, picks on the margin that I that I didn't bother playing that that did hit. That's always the case, right? So um, you know I was a little playing injured last week. 
my, let my concentration slip a little bit. So uh, I'm, I'm more focused this week. We'll, we'll have a better week. Well, I mean, I think that if two is healthy, you're over 61 probably hits. They had three do, touchdowns. Do that was a uh, man. What a weird. I mean, I just feel like like even the Mississippi State like sideline. I feel like I feel inflated by the two injury. Yeah. So I guess the question is: Is Barton the biggest victim of Tua's injury? I yes. think that is absolutely <laughs> the case. Uh, I, had, I had an insurance policy on a Tua injury. <laughs> uh, Tom is Tom. Tom and I both were right at five hundred for the week. Um, Tom five and five. The wins were. I mean, the unders. Under 56 and a half, UMass Northwestern. Thank you to UMass for running out the clock, so that could hit. Uh, mm-hmm. The under 66 and a half to Texas Iowa State. The under 47 and a half in Kansas State, West Virginia. The under 56 in Louisville, NC State, which looked a little scary after Louisville poured it on in the third quarter, but things slowed down in the fourth. Then the under 54 and a half in Tulane Temple. Tom, that is the most on-brand sl- slate of wins possible. <laughs> My my unders went five and zero, oh and my dogs went zero oh and five. <laughs> Minnesota plus three was one of those dogs. Auburn plus three, one of those dogs. We mentioned Missouri, we mentioned Michigan State, and then uh, Arizona plus twenty seven. Uh, yikes! Watch out. Oregon is uh, Oregon's doing bad things to people. I was four and four, lost on uh, UNC plus four. That one uh, I was I, I was I was hoping that there would be some some twist that would get us into. Uh, Get get us to that three point pit win once we got into overtime, but not the case. Pittsburgh gets the win, covers the spread as well. Uh, loss for the Auburn plus three, loss for Missouri plus seven and a half, loss for UCLA plus twenty one and a half. The wins were over sixty nine in Memphis, Houston. The Rice Rice, which got Yay. it done on the daggum field. So pr- and then last night Akron. Got Near, his first cover. Got his first cover. Nearly got it done on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Rice and then Indiana. So, four and four. The overall records are Barton leading the way at 57, 42, and four. Tom, uh, just 16 points behind at 57, 58, and one. And Chip, just on the heels of Tom at 48 and 53 for the season. We made a lot of picks this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this has slowly crept up to like 10 picks a week is the standard where I think year one, it was like five or six. <laughs> it's, it's a gateway drug. You know, you, it's like when, <laughs> when you're doing five picks, it's like, okay. But then after a while, it's like, oh God, now I got to do six to feel alive. And then it gets to right. seven, eight, nine, ten. Next year, we're going to pick every game on the board. <laughs> Hey, maybe my percentages will go up. All right. uh, Are you guys ready to lock it up? Yes, sir. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Since 2005, in Service Academy's life. Look at these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it 80 million times. You want these locks? I'm I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right, Barton, with uh, that overwhelming four and three, you've got the honors on the tee box. (laughs) All right. Uh, How about Athens, Georgia, we head, where Texas A&M 
coming into Athens, and they are a 13 and a half point underdog. Um, so I, I, I think the Texas A&M is a pretty good football team. I think that they are a team that is finally, as the season has progressed, getting to where it sees itself, where it wants to be, at least a lot closer than it was early in the season. Um, Had an injury at the running back position, uh, which which put him behind the eight ball. Had to break in a true freshman running back. Uh, Their true freshman starting tight end, former five-star, was injured before the season didn't have that piece of the puzzle. Now the other true freshman is starting to find his sea legs a little bit. Um, they've the Cordarian Richardson and Isaiah Spiller have sort of create a little bit of a thunder lightning type of tandem uh, in the backfield. And while I think Georgia's defense, I mean, I keep on saying it, I, I think their their defense is fantastic. Uh, I also think that Kellen Mond is a quarterback that can, when he's clicking, he can give you some issues. And so as I look at Texas A&M and I look at the way this program has improved over the course of the year, if you exclude Lamar and Texas State, A&M through the first uh, six games or whatever it is, uh, didn't have more than 5.59 yards per play in any one game. In the last three, uh, granted that includes a, a FBI or a um, group of five school in the mix too, but they went seven, 7.1. 7.4, 6.8. So they're starting to, I think, the, the offense is starting to become what it's sort of how Jimbo Fisher, Fisher envisioned it. And I just, I, don't, I just don't know that I trust this Georgia team to cover nearly two touchdowns. And so with Jimbo Fisher, um, you know, looking for that signature win, with Georgia coming off a physical game against Auburn. With, you know, I think Mike Elko's out here hoping for a, a head job somewhere. This is a, a real opportunity for him to be a, to have a showcase moment. I just think A and M is this is this is really their chance. I, I, LSU strikes me as a little tougher get, but the margins are, are are thinner against Georgia, and so I think this is their chance. I think they probably see that, and so I think A and M goes into Georgia and covers 13 and a half not predicting the win but i think they cover the 13 and a half tom you got anything here uh i am not locking it up but in my six-pack column i did take texas a&m in the points so i i pretty much agree with what you're saying it's just i have i include that in the column because i have to include the two big games of the week but it's not one of my uh 10 favorite plays (laughs) how 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 after a letdown game or like how do we think that Georgia's just gonna run up the score on a on a Texas AM team with talent? Texas AM hadn't played all that well, but this is not that much of a lesser team. I absolutely uh am on the train here. Not I am not confident in Kellen Mond. I hope, obviously, for my lock that he has a good game against this Georgia defense. I'm not all that confident in Isaiah Spiller. And uh, and the Texas A&M ground attack against what I think is one of the best rush defenses in the entire country, but I also just don't trust Georgia here. I just Georgia playing at home with all the tough games, all the tougher or toughest games behind them. You know, you've got Texas A&M, and then you you got the uh, was it good old fashioned hate 
Isn't that the Georgia Georgia Tech rivalry? That that yes. game in Bobby Dodd Stadium coming up. Like it it should feel if you are a Georgia football player like the the Super Bowls, you know, the the big games are behind you and then SEC championships in the forefront. I just I just don't trust Georgia kind of like you said, I I just don't trust Georgia's offense to be able to overwhelm Texas A&M. And I don't know what Mike Alco's aspirations are, but I do know that I've got him rated and graded as one of the better defensive coordinators in the entire country. And he's got to be looking at Georgia and just thinking like, wow, you know, for all the for all the different types of offenses that we have to prepare for and all the different ways that I've got to mix match my, my personnel, like I've, I've, I've just got this right here. I mean, it's just, it just seems as though one of those situations where as long as Texas A&M defensively is not getting pushed around and given up seven yard Deandre Swift runs on first down, then yeah, I absolutely think that they could win third down, keep this thing a little bit tight. I don't think they're going to win either Barton, but like, seven or 10 point loss, 13 point loss. If all of those results are something that ends up getting us this cover, then yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm locking it up. Okay. So I've got a dilemma now. As I said, this is in my column, but I wasn't locking it up. But since you two are locking it up and I agree. Do you hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me look at something here real quick. So chip Barton lock agreements, are eight and four okay pretty good uh obviously lock unity is strong as well six and three so okay i'm just making sure i'm okay with you jumping on board from a mojo standpoint see this Uh, is this is what i want to know with from you two because it's like i respect the lock unity too much and even though i agree with this pick like i said it was not one of my original i've got 10 locks and this was not one of my original 10 10 so yeah do i want to go to 11 for the lock unity or would that be disrespectful of the lock unity to jump on when even though i agree i'm not really a hundred million percent on board well Tom, this that is that is the power of the lock unity is you are who decides whether or not you want to jump on board because you can't ask us to 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 make this decision for you when when a lock unity is on the line. A lock unity represents confidence from all three. So this is this you're on your own here. But you are welcomed. I will say that. I don't I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. I, I'm not yes, I'm absolutely yeah, we, we, I, I love hearing Queen Latifah. Play the damn song. Yes! All right, redemption in the SEC. In the SEC on CBS, it's coming. It's coming this weekend. We thought we oh. had it with the home dog. No, no, no. It's It's with the road dog. That's where we're going to get it. A weather update that could help us. This has become a wonder. Mm. I still think the total's too low to want to play the under in this game, but we're looking at 11 mile an hour crosswinds with with some light rain and temperatures in the low 60s. So could be kind of a sloppyish lower scoring affair, which again would play to our advantage getting nearly two touchdowns. I just think yeah. Georgia can play a bad game and win this thing by a touchdown, and that is the outcome that I envision in my crystal ball. Yeah, a lot of hand wringing as Georgia still gets left at number four. 
and Oregon looks. Anyway, we got a lot of time to to get into those sorts of things. Uh, all right. Well, then with a lock unity on the board. Oh, anybody going to make a play on uh, Georgia Tech as a narrow favorite Thursday night against NC State? No. Shout out to Josh Goodson uh, of Sports Channel 8 and a Cover 3 listener. He is believing that the Wolfpack can, quote, shock the world. And shock overcome, the world. <laughs> overcome <laughs> this, <laughs> these doubters and haters who have made Georgia Tech a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I will absolutely not be uh, locking this up either. Tom, to you. All right, well, I'll go to the other big game of the week. Uh, I'm going to take the under 57-and-a-half in Penn State and Ohio State. And the reason I'm going for the total is because I, I I see this game playing out two ways. I was originally hoping when we saw this game on the schedule weeks ahead that Penn State would be more of a closer to a 14-point dog because then it would have felt like stealing money. I would have pounded Ohio State, laid the points, and won it pretty easily. But the fact that Penn State, you know, two weeks ago lost to Minnesota, last week was in a struggle against an Indiana team that I think is better than a lot of people realize, but still optically didn't look great for the Nittany Lions, led to this spread being a lot closer to what it should be. And I still think Ohio State covers this more often than not, but there's a fear for me that Ohio State has just been so good this year and has not looked bad at any point. And every single team, no matter who how dominant they are, typically has that one game where they get, even the undefeated teams, where they still get a scare. They still look mortal. And we haven't really seen that from Ohio State. And I fear that could be this, <clears throat> this week. So when I look at this game, I see it going two ways. Either Ohio State blows the doors off of Penn State and completely smothers them on defense with K.J. Hamler, I think, you know, still dealing with a concussion or banged up. He's their only option on offense. I think even if he plays and he's healthy, Ohio State is talented enough defensively to take him out of the game and force Sean Clifford and everybody else to beat him. And they, I don't think they'd be able to do that. So I could see this kind of situation where we get like a 38-10 to 10 kind of game, which stays under. It's a blowout win for Ohio State. They cover easily. Or if Penn State is going to have a shot to win this game, it's going to have to ugly it up a little bit because, like I said, offensively, the Nittany Lions do not have the weapons that Ohio State has. They can't afford to get into a shootout because they're outgunned. So they will look to slow things down and muddy it up and just kind of limit Ohio State's offensive possessions to make sure that they could stay within striking range. And if that happens, obviously, even if Penn State still loses that one, it would probably cover. But the under is still where this thing would finish under 57 and a half. So every way I look at it, I could see Ohio state covering. I could see it not covering. I could even see Penn state pulling off an upset here. Whatever happens. However, I think they're staying below this total in, in any of those scenarios. So that that's where I'm going. Barton. Uh, well, I'm not, I, I'm not playing the total. Uh, and what, are you playing this game chip? I've got Ohio State under on the side and uh and it's and I feel like the Ohio State underplay is it's I mean I almost feel like I'm picking Chase Young. I feel like I'm picking the Ohio State defense to just absolutely crush Sean Clifford in this Penn State offense. You mentioned KJ Hamler being a little bit banged up. I haven't really been impressed by this Penn State offense much at all this year and you know, sure, Sean Clifford can kind of figure things out, make some plays with his feet. Oh, look at me. I'm so nifty. Oh, Ohio State didn't recruit me. I've got a chip on my shoulder. 
Uh, but yeah, I think he's going to get his lunch eaten in this game. But uh, I don't know. It's over here on the side, but it is the biggest game. So you know I'm going to want some action. I just can't get over myself here. And yeah. <laughs> we get it at 57 and a half? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Because don't we also have like 40 degrees and maybe a little bit of rain in this game? Uh, it's possible. I mean, it's the weather right now. The forecast is going to be in the high thirties, low forties, a slight breeze and overcast with a chance of rain as the game goes on, but not a high chance. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you mentioned the Ohio state, the other factor that went into my Ohio state under, uh, consideration was, I wonder if we've got, like, if there's an Ohio state bad, I wonder if it's a Justin Fields bad game. Because I think Justin Fields is very, very good. And I think that he's been very, very good for Ohio State's offense. But there are spells within Ohio State games where I do find myself being like, I see Justin Fields' statistics, you know, ranking right up there with some of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country and the players that we consider the best quarterbacks in the country. But my own uneducated eye test is like, ah, that wasn't a great series, Justin. But because Ohio State's just nasty everywhere, uh, you know, I was I was just wondering if maybe the the bad Justin Fields game might come here, but that would even play into the under. Um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm not playing the total. The what? Here's what I'm tempted to play because we got we were on HQ earlier this week, Chip, and we were asked to pick this game, and you and I both agreed Ohio State. Right. Mm-hmm. And yet, as this week has progressed, I'm just looking at this, and I know like that concerns me. KJ Hamler concerns me. If he's not healthy, if he's not playing, that's an issue. But ultimately, 19 points is a lot. Is a lot of points for a pin. And and because when you think about, and and I think Ohio State is the best team in the country, at least on paper, and. This is, you know, Clemson's running through the ACC, but no one is, there's no Penn State's in the ACC. Uh, LSU is the next closest thing in this, in this college football cycle to Ohio State in the sense of a team that actually has some challenges on its schedule, uh, whether it's Auburn or Florida or whoever. And LSU, and, and look, again, I think Ohio State is better than LSU, but LSU's close. And LSU has had to kind of scrape by in a couple of games. It's competitive. Some teams have found out a way to just keep it close. I just think Penn State could could just figure out a way to keep it close, figure out a way to keep it competitive, keep it within 17 points. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm if I'm really have the confidence to bet against this. Ohio State juggernaut, but uh, I think I'm going to do it. Let's just go Penn State plus 19. Ah, just, that's just, that's just so many points. Barton, it's. Gl- I'm glad to hear that you believe in us. Barton Simmons <laughs> believes in us. That's, it's not the best vote of confidence, <laughs> Coach Franklin. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you can keep it close. For, at some point, uh, but no, it's gonna like it'll be. I, I I just need Sean Clifford to not collapse. 
just not totally collapse. I just need him to be the best John Clifford. Um, yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, there is an outcome where everybody wins here. We've started with a straight-up lock unity and then also a situation where a, what, a 24-14 kind of low-scoring defensive battle. Everybody mm-hmm. could win there, too. Uh, all right. So we got Penn State, Ohio State. We got the uh, SEC on CBS Game of the Week. All right. I'm going to take us to just a, a, a real easy trend in a game of much importance. We've got TCU against Oklahoma. It is in Gaylord Memorial Stadium in Norman. And for Oklahoma home games with Lincoln Riley as the head coach, the over is 14-3-1. Now, TCU has one of the best defenses in the Big 12, for sure. And, you know, Gary Patterson is going to do everything he can to try to scheme up ways to to slow them down. But the one problem that I think uh, might be presented here is that, you know, this isn't exactly a traditional, or at least this isn't a Kyler Murray or a Baker Mayfield type Oklahoma team. So I... I think that this is going to be yet another in the trend. I will be going Oklahoma and TCU, and that number is, say, over 65. Lock agreement. Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned the over is 14-3-1 in Oklahoma's home games under Lincoln Riley, but it's not just at home. It's everywhere for the most part under Lincoln Riley since he took over at Oklahoma the over is 24 13 and 1 in all of Oklahoma's games and it's also 18 and 9 in Oklahoma's you know big 12 conference games and more than anything remember when Oklahoma played Texas and its defense had an amazing game had like 10 tackles for loss and we were all sitting there thinking wow you know this Oklahoma might suddenly have a defense well the next week they went and they, you know, that same defense showed up as they think they beat West Virginia 47 to 14. Either way, they allowed only 14 points. But since then, in the last three games, the Oklahoma defense is allowing an average of 40 points per game. And they figured some things out in the second half against Baylor and shut the Bears out. But I also feel like that might have been Baylor turtling up a little bit and getting a little too conservative in the second half, trying to, you know, playing scared to hold on to its lead, which did not work out well. And then you look at this TCU team, and when we think of TCU, we don't think of like a potent offense. We think of, you know, them leading with their defense. But if you look in conference play, TCU is averaging 30.3 points per game. This is an offense that has proven capable of putting points on the board. So when you go up against an Oklahoma offense that we know is going to score and an Oklahoma defense that has been allowing points by the bundles in the last few weeks, this looks like a game that I think is going to get to at least 70 points. I think this is like a 45 to 30 kind of Oklahoma win. So I think this is a very solid over. Uh, guys, you know, when they talk about successful college football programs, uh, I think it's translatable to a successful gambling syndicate. It's all about alignment. It's all about everyone being aligned in their philosophy and their thought process and what's important to them. Uh, we are aligned this week, gentlemen. <laughs> wow. Unite the clans. Yeah. Unite them. <laughs>
Ah, yes. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I would add to what you guys have already so eloquently stated, yes, TCU does have a good defense. But TCU, in, in terms of marginal explosiveness, defensively, Woo. Woo. 123rd in the country. That This is, I think, a defense is going to have a hard time stopping Oklahoma. Uh, they These two teams score a lot of points when they get together, typically. And Gary Patterson is still trying to break the Lincoln-Riley code. He's broken a lot of codes in his day. He hadn't broken the Lincoln-Riley code yet. Uh, and with a true freshman quarterback in Max Duggan, who is very boomer bust, can score any play, can throw a pick any play. This just feels like uh, a lot of turnovers, a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of punting. Give me the over. <laughs> yes. the uh, This is a, a nice, easy day for the punters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just take 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 a breather, boys. More, take this one off. More kicks and warm-ups uh, an hour and a half before the game than you're going to get in the game, without a doubt. Uh, Barton, back to you. All right. Uh, how about we go to the Big Ten? Um, Chip, you mentioned how you were very nervous about playing Michigan laying 10 on the road. Yeah, I took it off the board at like 8.50, right before we got started. All right. Well, that was you narrowly avoided a, a fight Ooh. because the play there is catching 10 at home. Tom Allen and that Indiana team has been a quality football team all year long. They play really hard. Uh, Michael Penix was, has had a great year, and his injury is not ideal, but Peyton Ramsey has stepped in and is a very experienced quarterback in his own right, has played well. They moved the ball very effectively last week. Um, I'd like to see Wap Fillier on the field, the wide receiver who's dealing with a concussion. But even if he's not, I still think that this Indiana team is capable of a senior day showcase here where this has been like uh, Jim Harbaugh against Indiana has won by 7, 10, 7, 11. Mm. And this is probably the best Indiana team that he's played. Now, this is probably one of the better Jim Harbaugh teams, too, in terms of how they're playing right now. But it's still the week before Ohio State. Still a look-ahead spot. This is still an Indiana team that continues to be overlooked and, and uh, underestimated. And I think that Indiana can have another competitive showing. So give me Indiana plus the points at home. Yeah, week after just thumping Michigan State, too. We had a, uh, a Cover 3 listener in one of our early mailbags talk about this sandwich spot. So I'm, uh, you, you're, you're fulfilling that, uh, that Indiana fan's dream that they might be Prophecy. able to catch him. Yeah, that guy, yeah, he, he called that shot in like week three. Yeah. Uh, Tom, you got any action on this or thoughts? Uh, no, I was on the under. It was one of the last cuts off the card that, again, includes 10 or 11 picks now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Tom. Well, what's, what, is, uh, what is the fourth of your 11 picks? 
Uh, I'm going to go with Navy minus three and a half against SMU. This is just what you would consider a bad matchup for SMU. Overall, their run defense has actually been pretty good. It's been one of the better run defenses in the American Athletic Conference as far as when you look at yards per rush. The problem for SMU in this matchup against Navy is that when you're facing an option offense, they're typically getting three and a half yards per rush. That's the plan. What they also plan to do is to break the long ones, and SMU has had a very difficult time stopping those long ones. Navy's rush offense, and by using my you know explosive explosiveness metrics, Navy's offense ranks 15th in the nation. SMU's defense ranks 102nd. So it's like... It's they're a defense that is very much nothing, 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 thirty yard run, nothing. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's so their average in the long run doesn't look horrible, but they still give up a ton of long runs, and that is not something you can afford to do against Malcolm Perry and Navy because once they find that gap or that crease and they you know they get you out of your assignment, they're busting that long run and they're gonna put points up on you. And just overall, SMU is a defense that has allowed points, so. I look at this as being somewhat of a high-scoring affair because I do expect SMU is going to be able to move the ball against this Navy defense, as we saw Notre Dame last week, you know, kind of tear it up. But I just think that Navy's ability to run the ball in this game against SMU gives them a major advantage. So I like them to win by a touchdown. So I'm laying the three and a half. Lock it up. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very good pick. Uh, and it's also a game that you can see on CBS Sports Network or stream on CBSSports.com or the CBS Sports mobile app. Just log in through your cable provider. Barton, do you have any thoughts here? No, I, I like, I mean, we had to pick this. I think we had to pick it for um, our CBS expert picks, and I, I'm on Navy as well, uh, but not not a lock. Yeah, I mean, when you when you see that, it's that's a also, even if you are uninformed about the explosiveness you see that Navy is favored against this one-loss SMU team by three and a half. Like that is, uh, it it almost makes the SMU plus three and a half look like a sucker play. Like it's just SM- almost begging you to take it. SMU is a cute story, but they're not really like that's not really a top twenty-five team. Not the Navy is either, but um, SMU has was been a little bit propped up throughout this just because it's SMU on a run. Good team, but not. Like, we can't trust him in this spot. All right, I'm going to take us to one of the finest cathedrals in all of college football, Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois. (laughs) Where we've got a Minnesota team coming into town. And what happened last week with this Minnesota team? And they, they lost. They played pretty well, right? You know, they hung in there. They was the, the the dream could have kept going. What what happened with Northwestern last week? It cruised, cruised, baby. Off offensive explosion. Northwestern ain't felt their legs move like that. You know, <laughs> they haven't gotten to stretch the field at all this season. I see Northwestern as being a really really loose team, and with this Minnesota team coming in, I think that Pat Fitzgerald is going to have Northwestern, a 2-8 and eight Northwestern team. I think he's going to have them fired up. And I think he's going to uh, use whatever motivational tactics, whatever buttons he can press. He knows that with this uh, nationally ranked top 10 Minnesota team coming to town, man, I tell you what, 
Northwestern's offense has been bad, but their defense can still go and get after it. So I think they they make Tanner Morgan a little bit uncomfortable. You know, it's that 11 a.m. start. As I mentioned, the the crowd will be a crowd potentially. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not the uh, the kind of environment that is going to be favorable to getting the Gophers pumped up and focused. So I, uh, with the tall grass and and the defense, and uh, and Pat Fitzgerald trying to make this the Super Bowl. I'm going to take Northwestern plus 13 and a half. I like it. Crowd will be a crowd. <laughs> the, the, uh, so I, I, I like this too. The, I actually had in my initial run through of the lines, I jotted down Minnesota as one that I liked. And then it went from on the, first draft to cutting room floor to now I kind of like your side because you're right. I mean, this is, I mean, Northwestern lives for these kind of games. They, this, this, the grass is going to be nice and tall. Uh, Tanner Morgan, by the way, do we even know, is he playing? He was banged up. Wasn't it concussion related or something? Uh, uh, I, I think his status, let me check. It's uh, It's got him listed as questionable with a concussion. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, Maybe we don't even see Tanner Morgan. Uh, there's Wisconsin coming up next week for Minnesota. This this is this is a vintage Northwestern spot here. 11 a.m. Central Time kick. Just, I mean, we're gonna see we're gonna see how good those boys can row with uh, <laughs> that tall grass at 11 a.m. and a sleepy Evanston. So yeah, I, I, this is to me the right side of it the more i think about it um all right so encouraging to hear that barton back to you yes yes okay well uh let's stay in the big 10 for a moment and i'd like i'd kind of like to get approval on this and now tom last time i asked you for approval on something you basically declined comment one way or the other (laughs) and then followed up with a lock fight. <laughs> it's not what this is about, okay? This is we are this is a syndicate. We are looking for alignment this week. I need to see if you approve of this pick or not. Illinois is catching 15 and a half on the road at Iowa. I'm not trying to play that. Thought about playing Illinois, but th- it seems like the 47 number is is entirely too high. Is <laughs> It is it's an oh, absurd yeah. number for these two teams and for the way Iowa plays. I'm so why, so proud why, to hear you say that right now. <laughs> to hear you call 47 an absurd number just makes why me Why should beam. I play? Why should I not play under 47? Why should you not play it? I'm just saying, are you, as an Illinois aficionado, as a under expert, is there any reason I should hesitate here? Well, Iowa did beat Illinois sixty-three to nothing in Champaign last year, but uh, that wasn't a bowl team, Illinois. Yeah, this is a very different Illinois team. It's it's an Illinois team that is more balanced offensively and is better and stronger and older defensively. Because the case of that game last year was Iowa. It was close in the first half, but then Iowa just being bigger and stronger completely wore Illinois down in the second half, which was a common theme with Illinois in all of its games last season. So. 
I think the only way this goes over is if Brandon Peters plays an amazing game. And Peters was terrific in the last few weeks, but this is an Iowa defense that has been much better than anything Illinois has seen since probably that Wisconsin game. And I think that last week, too, against Minnesota, we we talked about it on the pod. We finally saw A.J. Epinesa kind of have a game. We saw that Iowa pass rush have a game. And I think that that's probably going to continue in this one. I don't think Illinois is going to be able to run the ball very effectively against Iowa here, which is going to limit them. Because while they can pass the ball and they've been a better passing offense, they're also kind of dependent on the big play through the passing game. Like, they're not the kind of team that could, you know, throw eight times for little slants and stuff to move the ball down the field. They're, they're just trying to hit you deep once in a while, suck you in with their run game, and then get you over the top. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that against this Iowa defense. So I do see Illinois struggling. The only question will be, can this defense limit Iowa? And the way this game goes over is if the same way Illinois wins every one of its games, if it can force turnovers, Illinois, because they, they turn turnovers into points before the offense gets on the field. Their defense scores the points. But Iowa does not turn the ball over. They've got nine turnovers in 10 games. They take care of the ball. So I don't think this is a great matchup for Illinois, and I do think that the under is a pretty solid play. And also, I mean, it's not it's not officially there yet, but it is supposed to be a little windy in Kinnick mm. Stadium and cold. So it's not officially a wonder at this moment, but it's, it's, it's developing into one. All right, I, that's, that is good enough for me. I, uh... This I'm just I'm kind of giddy thinking about looking up in the third quarter and it's seventeen to seven and I'm like all right feels good let's 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 finish this off boys so uh, <laughs> give me under forty seven Illinois Iowa it's on the dock coming up on the other side more of our week thirteen locks next. Majors down and one to go in 2020. Bryson DeChambeau overpowered his peers at the U.S. Open. Can he carry that into November for a fall edition of the Masters? We're chatting about that and more on the First Cut Golf Podcast, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. We're in your feed week in and week out with tournament previews, picks, interviews, news, and analysis. Join Mark Immelman, Kyle Porter, Greg Ducharme, and myself, Rick Gaiman, as we give you daily fantasy plays, winning bets, and the hottest takes about Bryson, Phil, and Tiger. So what are you waiting for? Come join our group and let's talk golf. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon us. Whether it's baseball news, you want NFL, college football, water polo, chess, movies. If there's a story, we'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you find your podcasts. No BS, no soft tosses, no hot takes. You know, it's always business. It's nothing personal. All right, Tom, to you. All right, I'm going to go for an under myself now. I'm going to take Texas at Baylor 
under 59 and a half. This is just, I'm loving these Texas unders, boys. They've been very profitable for me all season long, and we have spent so much time over the years talking about Tom Herman as an underdog, but Tom Herman unders are a very real thing, too. Since he took over at Texas in 2016, the under has gone 24 and 11 in Texas's conference games. It is 11 and 6 when Texas is on the road, and it's 4 and 2 when Texas is a road dog, as it is in this situation. Furthermore, the under has been good for Baylor under Matt Rule. Since he came to Baylor, the under is 15 and 10 in his conference games. So when I look at these two teams and I look at this matchup, I thought the total was too high as it was. And then you look at those trends and it's like, okay, now it becomes even juicier. And then you look at the weather where there's going to be, you know, eight to 10 mile an hour winds blowing through at McLean Stadium. So this is this is just right there on the wonder radar. So everything, you put it all together and it seems like a very obvious play. And I think most people seem to agree because this line opened at 61 and I'm now getting it, what, at 59 and a half. So it's, it's going down. Well, uh, you know, unders are normally good for the underdogs, and that's why I'm going to be one of them squares that's out here taking Texas plus five and a half. Tom Herman as an underdog is not the, the operating principle here. Tom Herman backed into a corner with a whole bunch of message board trying to talk about how to buy him out and go get Urban Meyer chatter with a whole bunch of Texas fans that aren't really loving the way things are going, Tom Herman probably looks at Baylor. He just looks at the roster and he looks at the personnel and he's like, you know, we can go and win this game. And he also knows, because he's always calculating about branding and marketing and messaging, that a win over Baylor, you know, this year means a whole lot more than most years beating Baylor. So not only am I going to take Texas plus five and a half, but I'll just go ahead and throw it down. This is going to be my money line sprinkle. What are you getting to that? Uh, I don't. I don't have uh, money line prices. <laughs> Let me look for you real quick. You can get it at one ninety five. Okay. I'm not really good at shopping values on money lines. It's far more about the. Uh, it's it's far more about the outcome. I think. Yeah, I, I have. Baylor, um, I got Baylor minus five and a half on my sort of Ooh. margin as a possible play, but I, I, I don't want to. I just I want I don't want to play this. I want to stay away from this. Um, this is I think Baylor's the better team. Baylor's getting them at home, but the te- the Big Twelve being what it is. Texas having lost a few of these close games, there's a there's a Texas's due element to this where it's like is, is Tom Herman really going to lose like all of the all of the toss up games? Well, uh, look at them. They've also gone one win loss win loss win loss win loss for about a month and a half. And on the win loss win loss win loss, this one's due for a win. Yeah, yeah. That's Here's a, that's a question. A- going back to what you were saying at the beginning, Chip, talking about like Texas fans talking about getting Urban Meyer. I could see Urban Meyer at Florida. I could see Urban Meyer at Ohio State. I could see Urban Meyer at USC. I I don't think Urban Meyer is a guy that works for Texas. I mean, I think he works as a football coach. I just I, I don't know if Urban Meyer strikes me as a Texas head coach. Does Saban strike you as a Texas head coach? Because that's never stopped Texas fans from dreaming about bringing Nick into town. 
Mm, I don't know. I just think personality wise, I don't, I, I think there's, yeah, it's cause there's so many people who kind of want to have a say in Texas football and it, urban and it's even don't strike me as the kind of guys who want to listen to what anybody else has to say. <laughs> I think that your read is correct on that. Uh, all right, let's go back to Barton. All right, let's see. Uh, let's go to the desert. The desert is where we got a couple Pac-12 teams battling for, for the playoffs. And there's a lot of penciling in a one-loss Pac-12 team in the college football playoffs. But those one-loss teams got to get out of some like Pac-12 after dark type of scenarios this weekend on the road to get there. It just feels a little too clean right now in the Pac-12. feels a little too much like we're just chalking it up to favorites winning out, and here we go. I don't have faith that Arizona can beat Utah, but for Oregon to go into Tempe with that Herm Edwards team just, you know, looking for this opportunity in a primetime spot with Herb Street and that crowd coming to town. Um, there is this just this just feels like a dangerous spot. And in a dangerous spot like this, you're gonna give me 14 and a hook. Um, we don't even have to get the upset. We just got to get a competitive game. And and I think that Arizona State um, will, I think, be very conservative uh, offensively to try to extend this game, shorten it. I think Jaden Daniels late can make a few plays to, to keep him in it. And I'm going to go with Arizona State plus 14 and a half and at least create some sweat for Oregon's playoff run that everyone has just sort of uh, jotted down with the with ink. Um, there's I think that I think there's still some some work to do here. I'm staying away from this simply because of the reasons you mentioned at the beginning because I, I think Oregon is a wagon right now and that they will crush Arizona State. But for everything that you've said about how things are a little too easy and this is still the Pac-12, I, I don't want to really be relying on it for a lock. It seems, listen, it seems as though that's the way this goes. It se- in it, it absolutely is shaping up for... Uh, a situation, especially because this is a what early start? Are we? Uh, at, well, it's a evening, early evening, early evening. So it's eight yeah. o'clock Eastern time. It's seven thirty Eastern. Yeah, I mean, national spotlight. Jane Daniels, Herm Edwards, lots of or you know, just sort of putting Oregon on upset alert. I I foresee this situation, but I am terrified of Oregon right now. Yeah. Also, if you've been watching, like you know, the Mac games the last couple nights, there have been a lot of promos with Justin Herbert about this game because it's on ABC. So it's it's like, oh no, the Pac-12 best team has a chance on a you know on an on ABC, the network that everybody has. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, I I absolutely see this as the uh oh uh oh, and in that case, you know, Arizona State with a capable quarterback and a penchant for 
knocking off uh, knocking off brand names right now. I, I I don't hate the spot. Fourteen and a hook too is nice, but Oregon might be really really good. Yeah, um, Rob Mullins well, has been in that room like you guys got to watch my boys this week. I'm telling you, they're really good. Well, how about this? You know, if this doesn't if if Oregon covers this, then I, that's I almost like wouldn't even mind it. It just means that we have a true West Coast contender. Because I think this is the point in the season. If you really are good enough to be in the playoffs with those all those guys, then you should blow this Arizona State team out. A, a, a solid Arizona State team. Not a good, not a great Arizona State team, but a solid Arizona State team. So if 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 this doesn't cover, if this doesn't hit, then at least personally, I will take comfort in knowing that it looks like perhaps we've got a, a pretty good playoff on our hands because I think Utah is really good too. And so um, this is, I think this is a good opportunity for Oregon to prove to all of us how good they are. All right, Tom. I'm going to the ACC with this one. Mm. This is just a line that jumped out to me and I said, that is wrong. Mm. And I must, I must correct it. I'm taking pit plus four at Virginia tech, man. Mm. I know Virginia tech has been better, but I'm not buying into it. I don't think that they're, that much better than this pit team. I think this pit team has been pretty solid all year long. And this is a series that, you know, going back to the big East days, pit has dominated. Pitt is 13 and three against the spread in the last 16 meetings between these two. Furthermore, the underdog is 10 and two against the spread in the last 12 meetings between these two. It is not my money line sprinkle, but if you want to sprinkle something on the Pitt money line, I am all for it because I think that Pitt is probably going to win this game because, again, rivalry week is coming up. Virginia Tech's got a pretty big matchup next week against Virginia because even, you know, as down as some things have been or even as much better as it has been for Virginia Tech, they still need to beat Virginia because that's just the one thing that they have. They can't afford to lose to Virginia because if they lose that, they lose a bit of their identity. So I worry about the Hokies getting caught looking ahead a little bit, even though this is still a very important game for them in the Coastal Division. And I think Pitt is going to come out on top, and I will not accept any Kenny Pickett slander from you, Chip Patterson. Hey, hey, hey. I'm, I've come around on it, but it has l- much less to do with my Kenny Pickett slander and more to do with the fact that there's no way that the ACC Coastal is not going to be divided by at least the fourth tiebreaker, right? <laughs> like, like, we just need... Pitt to take down Virginia Tech so that we go into that final week very confused about who's going to play Clemson. Oh, and by the way, we talked about it on the reaction pod last week. There is still a path for Illinois to win the Big Ten West. (laughs) I said that Illinois and Iowa were both eliminated, speaking of convoluted divisional tiebreaker policies. But there is a very, very small chance. There's like 18 scenarios, and one of them is Illinois. Yes. (laughs) Uh, All right. Barton, uh, I am. I am not at a point right now where I can give another one. Okay, I'm, I'm mulling nice. a couple over. I could be done done with six. I could have one or two more. Okay, I've got uh, a couple more. The first one is going to be uh, a little bit of just a a good old fashioned fun, uh, you know, cover three principle here. It's going to be windy in Laramie. (laughs) We are going to be taking uh, the Wyoming under as we do anytime that uh, the Cowboys are playing at home. And we are going to be getting that. It's a Friday night game. Uh, We're going to be getting that number at 40 and a half. So 
Wyoming taking its time, its defense playing stout against a, a, a bad, not, not horrible, but a, a bad Colorado State team out at War Memorial Stadium. So uh, Wyoming under 50 and a half. And then uh, another under, uh, did, did you guys know, and I have no stats to back this up, none, but I, it just, it makes so much sense. I'm willing to believe it, but unders in baseball stadiums feel like a good principal play. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Miami and Florida international playing in Marlins park. Now the spirit of Miami, I believe is gone, right? Tom? Yes. Yeah, the big old thing that was in the outfield that Tom and I actually got to see in person during the first season that the Marlins were in Marlins Park because mm -hmm. tickets were like $8 and shout out to Jay Darren Darst for buying them and taking us taking us in the back of his Corvette to uh, down to Marlins Park where the old Orange Bowl was. But uh, I am looking at this game and I'm knowing that uh, the best thing that Miami has going for it is its defense, and that's a defense that can rule the day. And we're in a baseball stadium, so all of the sight lines are off. Everything is weird. Uh, scores are going to be down. Pitching is good. We're going Miami <laughs> FIU under. It is a pitcher's park. <laughs> it's like trying to groove your three-point shot in a huge dome. You know, just can't can't quite get your bearings. I like. I don't know if this principle is is accurate or not, but I love it. It feels right, though. I mean, <laughs> it's like if like it happens. Like if Chip just walked up to you and said, "Yeah, man, baseball stadium unders. You never want to pass those up." You'd be like, "Yeah, that makes Hell yeah. sense." <laughs> uh, so yeah, throw me down on that one. All right, Tom. I know you've still got like twelve left. So back yeah, to you. I got so many left. I'm going next. We will go to, let's see, let's see. Where do we want to go on this card here? We will go with... All right, you know what? I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got two overs this week, guys. Ooh. I've taken the over 59 and a half in Memphis, South Florida. Memphis overs? Just coming back yeah. to it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Overs at Memphis under Mike Norvell are 21 and 11 in American Athletic Conference games. Wow, are, that's a big number. Yeah, they are 8 and 2 overall this season and I just look at this as a game where Memphis scores a lot of points and it's going to score a lot of points against South Florida and it gives up a lot of points and I think that the South Florida offense has been somewhat feisty in recent weeks and a little bit more competent. They they've figured some things out. So I think that this total is just a little too low. I, I think that they're going to go over here. And, you know, if I've got two overs on my card in the same week that I have to feel pretty darn good about them. So take the over 59 and a half. Memphis overs are good. Uh, a nice little well. That's the, nice well. The it's actually from the same uh, subterranean body of water that the Starkville <laughs> well. <laughs> they just found a new place to dig. Yeah. Uh, all right, Tom. I'll I'll let you uh, double back. Okay. Uh, well, we got to have an antidote to that, then I guess. I don't even know if I need to explain this one. I'll just say it. Taking the under forty and a half in Cal Stanford. Yeah. Is anybody playing in this game? I was looking at the injury report, and it, no joke, might have had two dozen names on it. KJ Costello is out. Uh, Chase Garbers is questionable after, you know, he, he got banged up again last week. And so we don't know. This could be another situation where both teams have their backup quarterbacks in. We know Stanford will. 
Uh, Cal is still very good defensively. Stanford's decent enough defensively, good enough to stop Cal's offense anyway. I just don't see where the points are coming from in this game. Unless things get wild and crazy with defensive touchdowns and special teams touchdowns, I don't see how this gets over 40 and a half. So I feel very good about this one. That sounds right. Sounds like the right play. It's just going to be a very high-minded game, you know? <laughs> very more, more debate, really, than football <laughs> competition. <laughs> it's funny, because this is the axe, right? Uh, it's the game. I don't know what the trophy is exactly. The big game, right? The, the big, big game. game. Yeah, it's yeah. Because the, the, ga- the game, let's be clear. Oh, the game is this week. The game is this week. Uh, yeah, in fact, you know what? Uh, there's a lock for you. You can get this number. Give me the Yale Bulldogs yes. minus seven in the game. All right. Minus seven? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. They're playing for an Ivy League title. This is Tony Reno is uh, looking to beat his old boss and Tim Murphy. Yale is – if Yale wins – they are co-champions, assuming Dartmouth also wins. If Dartmouth loses, Yale is the sole Ivy League champion. This is a big moment in New Haven. <laughs> I'm excited. This is what it's all about. You get Ivy League locks on the Cover 3 podcast. Is it uh, no- Noon Eastern kick? Are we on TV? So Heck yeah, we're on TV. What do you think? This is the game. <laughs> I mean, are we on like... Uh... ESPN Plus TV? Yeah. No, no. Let me see. I think it's it's uh, NBC Sports it, Network. That sounds right. Uh, it might be something like that, but it's 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 very attainable. Oh, it's on ESPNU. Oh, in West. There you go. What's up? Oh my gosh! And uh, and West Durham and Roddy Jones are on the call. One of my favorite uh, announcing teams in the yeah. in the biz. There you go. I only wish I didn't have to live blog Penn State and Ohio State so I could watch. So Penn State and Ohio State tries to act like that's the game. That's this is this is a battle of the games at noon noon Eastern time. I know what the main the main TV will be on Harvard Yale. We'll see if uh, we'll I'm see gonna, if a, I'm going to pitch to our editors to have you live blog it. <laughs> no, no, don't don't please don't. don't do <laughs> <laughs> that's funny good joke good good joke, good joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I, I can't live blog with my helmet on and i've got to wear my helmet <laughs> that's right. That's right. um all right man i've i'm yeah i think i'm tapped out tom wow. yeah so i i found I've, i got another one not a found but i'm i am gonna pull this one off the board or onto the board i guess um, I'm going to go, I think this is a big game for Louisville because the, I look, did you guys see what Syracuse did to Duke last week? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like 49 to three or something ridiculous. Crush. Uh, yeah. So Syracuse feeling good, you know, whatever this is in this turnaround that we are experiencing under Scott Satterfield, it feels like this is the type of coach that senior days are going to be a big deal. 
senior days are going to be strong performances. Given what these seniors experienced last year, I think this game is going to be a big one for Louisville to sort of put on a show in front of the home crowd, send these guys out in style. I think Syracuse is feeling themselves a little bit after last week. I don't, I'm not buying that that's who the Syracuse team is. So the number is like nine and a half, but I'm going to go Louisville uh, laying the points. Getting to, I think that'll get them to like what, five wins, six wins. Louisville, no, Louisville's seven. already bowl eligible. Yeah, yeah. That, that'll get them to seven. That's right, get them to seven. See, if you're going to play the bowl angle here, you would take Syracuse because Louisville's already set at bowl eligibility, and I don't know if Cuse, I don't know what what kind of belief they got, but I almost like them. I'm not going to take it because Syracuse should not be trusted. Like they won that game in part because of Duke's ineffectiveness on offense. I, right, they had like they, had, they they averaged their average field position was like the 50 yard line. Right, yeah. I mean, it was it was not a good Tommy DeVito game. They just kind of ran the ball with good field position and scored a whole bunch of touchdowns. Even got a pick six in there. So yeah, yeah it's a, it's a little bit of a fraudulent uh, 49 to six. It wasn't a total domination, but Syracuse might still think that it can get itself to bowl eligibility if it can get a second straight road win, and then it welcomes uh, Wake Forest to the dome. So. We'll see, but I, I think that your your initial inclination that especially with the Kentucky game on the horizon, last game in Cardinals Stadium, you know Scott Satterfield gets to talk talk about the seniors that have been through it all, the ones that stuck around. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on all the emotional angles there. Early early uh, principle moving forward. Just we'll we'll see if this this pans out. Scott Satterfield senior nights. Senior night, Scott Satterfield. <laughs> um, okay, I'm. I was on the edge because I just don't want to. I'm. There's a like a principle that I'm going to stay away from, but I would at least suggest it is not a lock. Or uh, or Washington State, Oregon State under just because it's like damn near 75, 76 points, and that's that's absurd. And then uh, the Washington under against Colorado, and the only thing that's keeping that one on the sideline is some fear uh, for Colorado's defense being able to to make Jacob Eason look good. Though, Tom, am I right that we might have some windy conditions out there? Uh, yeah, last I checked, we could. Let's see what the current forecast is for... Oh, it's in Boulder, correct? Yes, Folsom Field. Yeah, this is... Oh yeah, we got we got a nice stiff breeze mm. coming through down from the mountains. It's climbing up the mountain and it's coming down and it's picking up speed. And by the time it hits Folsom Field, it will be blowing through at about fourteen miles an hour. Mm. So, uh, you know, if if you're you're rolling through your day and that's something that interests you, I'll call your attention to it. But I don't feel confident enough in it uh, to be a lock. So I'm I'm tapped out. Tom, what you got left? I've got one, two. Three and my money line sprinkle. So I got three locks, my money line sprinkle. But guess what? What? This next lock is both my lock and my money line sprinkle. I am taking Tennessee plus four at Missouri. Oh, yes. I just I love the vowels in this spot, man. I, I If you take a look at these two teams over the last month or so, Tennessee's gone four and one. Its only loss came to Alabama. Then there's Missouri, which enters this game having lost four straight. And now granted, two of those losses were to Georgia and Florida. But the other two came to Kentucky and Vanderbilt. 
In those four losses, which is more important, Mizzou has scored a total of 27 points in four games. Now, the Tigers have been much better at home on the season, but we saw last week against Florida, that didn't really mean a whole lot. And to me, this is a Tennessee defense that has improved as the season has gone along. And the blueprint for stopping Missouri's offense is now out. Kelly Bryant is not going to beat you deep. Defenses are crowding the line of scrimmage and saying, hey, Kelly Bryant, try to beat us deep. And he hasn't shown any ability to do so. And if you look at this game, uh, one of Mizzou's top receivers, the guy who's second on the team and catches, John, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Look real quick. Jonathan Johnson, which is an easy name to remember. He's questionable <laughs> with a shoulder injury. So they, Mizzou could be without one of its you know, bigger targets on offense. And I just think that to this point, if you look at this game right now, man, Tennessee has been playing much better football than Missouri has. So when I put them into this game, I think Tennessee's going to cover. And I'm putting them as my money line sprinkle, Tennessee plus 160. Mm. Missouri just hadn't quite been the same team for a minute. And Tennessee seems to have... Tennessee's got enough uh, recently accessed memories of good things. So I, I can rock with it. For sure. Uh, what's yeah, your next seemed, one? Seemed like the right one. Before before I move on, does the dentist have a pick this week? Ooh, dentist does have a pick. What uh, is it? Are you? Do you ask because you're about to play an Ole Miss game? No, I just figure we should get it in so that way we Den- can break it up a little bit. Yes, dentist has a pick. Dentist is going Arkansas plus forty four. Whoa! I love it. I love it. So this is the largest in-conference spread in the last 40 years. The last game that came this close in the spread was on a lovely afternoon in Nashville in 1996. Uh, despite all the talk that week about running up the score up, Spurrier barely escaped with a one-score victory and lost his clipboard due to a sniper with a Dr. Pepper bottle. Uh, <laughs> this game should be an absolute overlook for LSU, and we probably only need Arky to score 10 to 14 points to cover. With LSU defense lately, I'll take those chances. This is going to feel awful when LSU jumps out to 35-0. But there is no better feeling than sneaking out the back door. Lock it up. His second choice, Tom, was Tennessee plus four. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Now I feel even better about my money line sprinkle because the dentist is on my side. <laughs> I'm glad to see the dentist is. Uh, I feel like Ole Miss has led the dentist astray. Now he's just sort of finding his his good SEC angles here from his experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Dentist got a little bit locked because he, you know, he. He saw value in Ole Miss last year where others didn't, um, or at least in value in fading Ole Miss where others didn't. And I think he got a little lazy. Uh, but, you know, spent a little less time on the golf course, spent a little more time in the film room. I think he's back on track. But you mean looking at dental x rays? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, all right, Tom, back to you. Okay. I, for my next lock, I am taking. Temple plus 10 and a half at Cincinnati. Just think that this Cincinnati team is a little overrated. Uh, if you look at how they've played the last few weeks, yeah, they, they blew out UConn 48 to three, which good for you. That's great. But, you know, they had that close call on the road against East Carolina, which they escaped with a 46 to 43 win. Last week against South Florida, they needed a last second field goal to get past the Bulls 20 to 17. And the more I look at their resume, it's like I know they're 9-1, and one, and I can't take that away from them. They deserve, they're a good team. I'm not trying to knock them for what they are. It's just 
I think their record is a little better than how they've actually played because their best win to this point was that UCF win, but that UCF win doesn't really look nearly as good now because, you know, this is a 7-3 team. It's not the UCF of the last few years. And I feel like Cincinnati's greatest accomplishment has been being shut out by Ohio State 42 to nothing. It's like, hey, they got a great loss. Yeah, well, they got beaten by 42 in that game. Whereas Temple has been a solid team in the AAC, and it's also a team that still has hopes of winning the East Division, but in order to do it, it needs to beat Cincinnati first this week. And if we look at them, you know, they they beat a good Tulane team last week. They beat that same South Florida team on the road. Their only losses have come to SMU, which is, you know, ranked. They lost to that UCF team, but they've also beaten Memphis. They are Memphis's lone loss. And while they have been better at home, I still like them on the road here to cover this spread. And if we look at the series between them, Temple's been very good against Cincinnati. They are, they've are they covered the last four games, and they've also covered their last four trips to Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium. So I like the Owls a lot here. I think this spread is way too large, and it's pretty disrespectful to who the Owls actually are as a team. So give me give me the Owls plus 10.5. Hoot, hoot, lock it up. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Good play. I like that. Yeah. Cincinnati overrated classic do you think temple can get the straight up win shock them uh, at nippert stadium it can i don't i'm not going to take it to I, I think i think cincinnati's still good enough to win this game it's just i think this is going to be more of a fight than the 10 and a half point spread suggests uh barton what is your money line sprinkle uh i think what i'm going to go with here is one of these they either fail to cover or they win situations i'm going to go with UCLA plus 425. Man, that's a good pick. Like, you know, I mean, that that's that game last week was one of those deals where, you know, UCLA had red zone opportunities, turned the ball over. One of those turnovers actually, like, was a scoop and score. Uh, just It just got away from them. I think that, that score isn't indicative of sort of, like, how bad UCLA is. And while I think USC wins this game, and in fact – I lean that USC covers. I, again, I think the alternative is UCLA wins outright because this this is very storybook and how this is all ending for Clay Helton. A oh, week early. The end, A week know? early. Why is USC's schedule end on November 23rd? There's a reason for it. I can't remember, though. And it just feels like UCLA could could sort of spoil the, the Clay Helton redemption story here. Uh as Chip Kelly tries to build his program up. So plus 425 seems like good value to me. I've been been resting on my laurels from that K-State plus 1100. I need to get a win, but I can still take some risks, I think. So give me give me UCLA plus 425. I like the uh I like the risk and the value there, but as I need this last victory to hit my USC win total over, I will be staunchly rooting against your money line sprinkle. <laughs> Never, I, I should have known that it was going to be coming down to this. Uh, a, Clay, a Clay Helton, Clay Helton, who is more than likely, what would we say, more than likely not coaching the Trojans in 2020? Yeah, I think that's a safe way to put it. More than likely not coaching the Trojans. He's either going to lose or he's going to get carried off uh, on the players' shoulders and cry in the press conference. I do think if he wins, which is part of the reason why there's, I mean, why I was, almost played USC here is if he wins, he suddenly has a case when you consider how tricky this situation is for the new AD and, 
how much money it's going to cost and how many other issues they're dealing with at that university. Pete Thamel had a good article that broke all this down. There, there appears to be an avenue for him to stay. Um, so, hey, he's he probably will get carried out on the shoulders of his players if he wins. But college football doesn't always end like that. Tom, you done? No, I got one left. All right. And, I mean, because – the last game that I've picked as far as time-wise is that TCU-Oklahoma game that starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. And that's, you know, we won't be recording yet. And plus, that game will be over by the third quarter. So we're going to be going into the end of the night. And I'm going to be sitting there staring at my 10-0 record in the locks. And I'm going to be thinking, man, 10-0 is just not good enough. I need I need that 11th win this week. So I'm going to head out to the islands mm. at 11 p.m. Eastern where I am taking the fraudulent Aztecs. <laughs> <laughs> San Diego State plus three at Hawaii. We've talked about it. We did this a few weeks ago. Hawaii at home is horrible against the spread. It's a trend that goes back a long time, but we'll just limit it to the college football playoff era. Since 2014, Hawaii is 11-26-1 against the spread at home. It is 14-32-1 against the spread in Mountain West games. This is not a team that should be favored against San Diego State. I know San Diego State is a chore to watch. It is boring offensively. It is not explosive. It's kind of like a Aldi brand Georgia. But it's also better than Hawaii. And I look at this game. I don't see Hawaii being able to move the ball very much against this San Diego State defense. And also working in my favor is the wind. Mm. You've got 20 to 22 mile an hour winds in store for this game at Aloha Stadium. And if you're a run and shoot team, granted, it's not like Hawaii's chucking the ball deep, but they are still a team that passes the ball roughly 70% of the time. So 20 mile an hour winds are going to have an impact on the Hawaii offense, and as will be going against a San Diego State defense that is the best defense in the Mountain West. So I don't see Hawaii having a ton of success offensively in this game. I still don't really like the under even with that win, but I really, really, really like San Diego State plus three. This was also nearly my money line sprinkle. Wow. 20 to 22 for a San Diego State team that has very little interest in doing anything but running the ball and playing great defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't, can't argue with that. Not one bit. All right, to review our Week 13 picks, Tom Fernelli's card, um, we've got Texas A&M plus 13.5. That is a lock unity. Then we got under 57.5. That is a lock agreement. Whoa, and that is loud. Uh <laughs> Oh, we got to go through this. Over 65 in Oklahoma TCU. Navy minus three and a half against SMU. The under 59 and a half in Texas Baylor. Pitt plus four against Virginia Tech. The over 59 and a half in USF Memphis. The under 40 and a half in Cal Stanford. The little game. Uh, Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee plus four against Missouri. Temple plus ten and a half against Cincinnati. And San Diego State on the Big Island plus three against DeBose. Uh, Barton's card, Texas A&M plus 13 and a half, are UNITY. Penn State plus 19, the over 65 in Oklahoma TCU. Indiana plus 10 at home against Michigan. The under 47 in Illinois, Iowa. Arizona State plus 14 and a half going up against Oregon. Yale minus seven, trying to get a share or outright. 
Ivy League title in the game in the Yale Bowl in New Haven. And uh, Louisville minus nine and a half uh, senior day Scott Satterfield system put to the test. Uh, Chips card, Texas A&M plus 13 and a half. The under 57 and a half in Penn State, Ohio State. The over 65 in Oklahoma TCU. Northwestern plus 13 and a half with Minnesota in town. Texas plus five and a half down in Waco against Baylor. The under 50 and a half. It's going to be windy and Laramie. Uh, <laughs> Wyoming, Colorado State. That is a Friday night game. Get it in, folks. And uh, under 49 in Miami FIU. Classic baseball stadium unders. Oh, and the dentist, Arkansas plus 44, which I would not recommend to anybody, but man, I, I, and I, I, I would root for it. I will be rooting for Arkansas plus 44 actively. Recommend it if you want to feel alive. It'll be fun. It's going to be a fun day for the dentist. I, I like the way he framed it too. He goes, I understand what it's going to feel like when LSU goes up 35, nothing like you've right. accepted that you're going to spot. Yeah, don't, don't expect like some sort of grind, like four quarter game. There's going to be 42, nothing. And then we'll see what happens from there. <laughs> it's, that's the zero zero. <laughs> <laughs> right. When coaches always say that. All right. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. We will be back on Saturday night for our week 13 reaction pod. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Campbell, and along with Luke Thomas, we are the hosts of Morning Combat, your one-stop shop for all things combat sports. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we'll hit you up with a brand new episode looking at the biggest headlines in boxing, mixed martial arts, and so much more. That's not to mention bonus content every Tuesday and Thursday featuring interviews with the biggest names, dissected fight breakdowns, and even a little ridiculousness from time to time. We surely take the fight game seriously, but never ourselves. So why not give us a try for all your combat needs before and after the big fights? It's Morning Combat. Download and subscribe today wherever you consume fine audio.